Hello and welcome back to Cloisterbell, a weekly Doctor Who podcast hosted by Liam and Rob. So yes, this week we're looking back at a Doctor Who episode from 2008, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is The Doctor's Daughter from Series 4. Um, and we are reviewing this as a precursor to next week's podcast and next week we're looking at I forget the name Liam but it's part 4 of Big Finish's Legacy of Time uh, yes that's right uh, I forgot my title of it as well this is going to be a good podcast um, but yeah that's right so th- we thought that that would be a perfect opportunity for us to or rather a perfect excuse uh, to go back and watch The Doctor's Daughter because of course we're doing um we're alternating with podcasts weekly, you know, maybe do um, a shorter one every other week. And what better thing to look at than a, an episode that relates to the one we're doing the following week? <laughs> really makes sense. Yes, so The Doctor's Daughter. Um, I don't think I've watched it. I don't feel like I've watched it since broadcast, but I, I probably have with a DVD. I think this is actually my... Because uh, I think this is actually the third time I've watched it because I remember watching it uh, when it was originally broadcast back in... You were right, by the way, it was 2008. Um, and uh, I've watched it since uh, on when I bought it on Blu-ray. But yeah, this is this is only the, only the third time that I've watched it. Yeah, and it's quite cool that it, it includes Martha. Of course, she then rejoined the TARDIS in the previous two-parter, the Sontaran episodes. Yeah. But if you'd kind of forgotten all that, it kind of feels like she was there all along. It's like there's a there's a team TARDIS going on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because um, actually, I, I remember uh, an awful lot uh, from uh, well about this episode uh, since its original broadcast. It's always stuck in stuck in my mind, which is always um, is a bit surprising, really, because I think although I think it's an enjoyable episode, and um, obviously I'll explain why later. But um, it is, in some respects, quite, uh, it could be argued, just quite an average uh, bog-standard Doctor Who story. But um, I remembered quite a bit of it. But funny enough, one of the things I forgot about it, uh, and you reminded me, I think it was last week, that Martha's in it. Uh, That that was the one thing that I I forgot about it. Um, Which is surprising, really, because uh, although in terms of new Doctor Who, Donna is my favourite companion. Martha, I think... um, is probably certainly in my top five because I think she's a brilliant companion. I don't, I don't think I appreciated her as much at the time. Ah, right. Okay. Well, so anyway, coming back to to watching this episode, and um, you know, one, it's one of my favorite periods of the show. Ah, I, I mean, my when I put the episode on, it was just I, it was great just seeing that title sequence and that version of the and hearing that version of the theme tune because uh, it's been ages since I've watched a David Tennant story and. Um, it took me back to all those years, and uh, it's just oh, I forgot how good the Tenant era was. Yes, um, and uh, having uh, Martha in for an additional story after the Santaran episodes because she didn't have to be written into the story, um, but it was it was great to have her back for another adventure, and um, they work really well. Uh, the Doctor, Donna, and Martha. Yes, really good. Yes. Um... It's a shame we didn't get more of a crowded TARDIS back in that era. I know we did occasionally with uh, Mickey here mm-hmm. and there. And of course Martha. Come to think of it, Martha was in a two-parter with the Santarans, 
She's in this episode, and she's also in the two-part at the end. That's quite a lot of the series, isn't it? Five episodes. Five or 13. What were the... Uh, oh, hang on. What were the final episodes... Uh, what were the final episodes for this series? Um, It's the whole Davros thing. Um, oh, journey, yes, of journey's course. End. The, uh, the Stolen Earth and Journey's End. Yes, of course. Yes, yes, she is in that. Well, yeah, th- that's a massive uh, team-up, because pretty much everyone in the new... Uh, everyone that had been in the new series up until that point's in there. Doesn't uh, yeah. even... Even um, Harriet Jones, she turns up, doesn't she? Yes. Uh, yeah. There's a reference with Harriet Jones. I didn't get it originally. You know, she says um, she devised the subwave network um, with help from the Mr. Copper Foundation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I thought, what, what the hell is that? <laughs> I thought it was something that was going to come to light later, but it turns out it was just, um, it came from the Voyage of the Damned. Yes, yeah. But yes, it would have been good to have more Martha, I think. Yeah, because I think uh, I think she was a very good companion, played really, really well by uh, the actress uh, uh, Freema, and um, and I, I, I do think that uh, she is uh, very underrated. I thought she was great because obviously I think everyone remembers Rose and Billy Piper, and everyone remembers Catherine Tate as Donna, and so it was like she's sandwiched in between these two great companions. So I think people yeah. tend to to forget her. But I actually I, I've liked her from the start and. Uh, Truth be told, I do prefer her over Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, just preference. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked her. And to, so to want to go back and watch um, a David Tennant uh, episode after all this time and just go, oh, God, the, that, that era was really good. And um, I think I took it for granted, really. We did, yes. Especially yeah. the, the theme tune, like you said. Yeah, it's yeah. Got this, it's got this excitement and energy to it. Well, the way that the episode, you know, it kicks off, it was, you know, it's all that, you know, the energy, it's just kicking you straight into the uh, adventure. Even uh, the the big three D names coming at your face, <laughs> which um, might have seemed a bit possibly over the top at the time, um, but it really did hit the mark, didn't it? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> and because uh, I remember um, Russell T Davis was was being interviewed. I think this was just after he left um, Doctor Who. And he was he was talking about it and how his whole approach was obviously he wanted Doctor Who to come back and he wanted it to be big and bold and he wanted it to be immensely popular. And I think there was a bit when he was talking about, you know, how those names are flying at the screen and yeah. he said that, you know, if we could have got the guy from the X Factor, you know, with the, uh, the, the guy who does the voiceover, he went... <laughs> if, you know, if that was see- deemed ex- uh, you know, acceptable, you know, believe me, we would have done it. That would be fantastic. <laughs> would be, wouldn't it? But yeah, because at the time I did think, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit over the top. But actually, coming back to it, uh, fresh, uh, the title sequence with the the name sort of, uh, smashing, you know, smashing into your face. Um, it was just, no. oh, this is just great. It, you know, it's immensely enjoyable, and you're straight yes. into the adventure. Um, but while we're on the topic of this, in this particular series, we have the penultimate episode when David Tennant is shot by the Dalek mm-hmm. and he's about to regenerate and we get the big 3D to be continued on screen yes um, yeah. I, I didn't like that in particular no I agree with that because I think uh, that's unnecessary and I think I think the audience know that the yeah. story hasn't finished yet it's a bit yes yeah I agree as if with we that. weren't feeling the impact they didn't need to remind us like oh my god <laughs> you know it's a big cliffhanger <laughs> yeah but, yeah, I agree with that. I think that's unnecessary. But actually, um, it, yeah, but coming back to it, it's good. I love the title sequence. I love how just uh, in your face it is. 
and how it just gets you really sort of like pumped and excited for the story. Yeah. I love how they cram everyone's name in eventually, don't they? Yeah. One thing I uh, I do dislike, and this isn't something that's just exclusive to, to Doctor Who, it's, it's, it's something about modern television I really don't like. Um, and I was very much aware of it with this story. It's during the credits. God, they whiz past so quickly. It's really difficult to read. Uh, you know, because uh, I'm one of those people who... I much like to have the credits where, you know, have the opportunity to read the names of those involved in making it. I just think, you know, it's nice. One, it's crediting mm. them. But also, you know, I, I may be interested to know. I was like, oh, yeah, I really liked uh, the costume designs in this particular yeah. episode. I just want to know who did that, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but it's it's jolly difficult to read because they just whiz past. Um, do, do you remember when that changed? Is If you go back to series one, for example, I think... Um, it goes on for a good minute or so, and mm-hmm. it goes it goes really slowly. Yes, it looks it does. more cinematic. And I was listening to one of the commentaries. I don't remember which series it was. I don't know when the change happened, but Julie Gardner was saying um, they've been forced to cut it down to thirty seconds for the for the following series onwards. And mm. but she said, you know, we're definitely going to get everyone's name in there, so it's going to have to go quick. She said. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's nice that they're, they're taking the, the effort to make sure that everyone is, is credited and, you know, obviously there's a lot of people involved in the production, but, and yeah, it is a decision that's been forced because uh, it's this, uh, this is, it was brought about because it was this view that as soon as the credits end, you know, people then start channel hopping uh, and obviously mm. the, the television network wants to maintain people uh, as viewers they don't please don't go to the other side you know stick with us so we can have still maintain the viewing figures so that's why you get you know incredibly quick credits now and you get the the credit squeeze where it's pushed into the corner here's what's coming up next and yeah someone talking all over it uh which is an aspect of modern television i don't like in fact it's it's creeped into things like netflix because oh, now yes. it, it gives you the opportunity to to skip uh the title sequence which one i've never understood I've really I've looked into turning that off and you just can't. No, so I I obviously I can ignore it, but the fact that that is an option and it's a bit distracting when the the uh, the thing of going you can skip the title sequence and the cho- choice comes up, and just know because that is a design it's designed to uh, you know ease you into the tone and the mood of the program. Yeah. Uh, and obviously with Netflix you've got the opportunity to watch all the credits, but you've got five seconds. To hit the control to go, no, do not skip the credits. Um, so that's something that's creeped into things like Netflix, where it's really unnecessary. Um, I think it's a shame because for me personally, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I do like the end credits, especially if it's a movie, you know? It's like, it's a time for reflection on what you've just watched. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, yeah. It really bugs me if I'm at the cinema and they just turn the lights on straight away. I'm mm-hmm. like, what are you doing, man? It's not over yet. <laughs> I want to sit here, <laughs> enjoy the, the music score. But yes, Netflix does bug me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look back at um, films that aren't really that old, look back at some of the early Star Trek films. You have a very long opening opening title sequence as well, don't you? Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't skip past that. No, no, you would. No, no, you wouldn't. So yes, it's it's a bit annoying. It's, I guess it's just the modern way of doing it. Yeah, especially with streaming services. It is, yeah, but it it sucks. I don't like it. Yeah, but I suppose that at least the options there not to skip it. But yes, anyway, one. I think it is does affect shows negatively when you've got shows that were created for broadcast and it 
you have scenes that say like give you a recap you know previously on the show mm-hmm. yeah netflix netflix cuts those out if you watch in consecutive episodes yes i've cut, noticed cut out recaps yeah, yeah that that's i mean uh, that's only something that i've re- uh, recently uh, become aware of and again that's a bit of a shame because you know you someone's took the effort to provide that you know someone's sat down and edited that together yeah and has got you know some thoughts gone into that and yeah it is a bit of a shame but yeah there's a lot of sometimes like um the recap of a previous season on a show it, it's it's almost like a trailer you know it's really dramatic mm-hmm, and you yeah. kind of need it to get yourself um hyped up for the for the episode which yeah, it's a shame mm-hmm. so i'm um, still talking about the opening title scene um the doctor notices jack's time lord detector <laughs> um the hand in the jar Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you yeah. did did you notice that he'd noticed this at this point? <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I did. Yeah, you did. Did you think it was? Do you think it might be relevant, or it was curious? I thought it was curious, but I didn't think it would. Uh, I didn't think it was anything um, majorly uh, majorly important to the plot. And yeah, it sort of, and it sort of is and it isn't. Um, it's 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 a bit throwaway because it because um, the reason why all that's happening is the TARDIS is basically kicking off and is a bit. Um, a bit erratic, uh, and then we have you know sort of like what what's the reason for that? And you know we just get them thrust into the the story very quickly, and yeah, and then everything's explained uh, at the at, end. At the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can talk about that later. I just, I, yes, I, I was going to say that. We'll get to that at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't want to sort of like preempt it, but yeah. So of course they've been thrown straight into the action. Mm-hmm. You know, Jenny is created before the titles even even go yeah um do you think that had an impact on the dramatical effect of it to me it's like we're watching it but i'm not feeling anything i'm just taking it on board do you think perhaps her creation should have been further on down the line in the episode oh that's a good point i hadn't i hadn't thought of that um perhaps i mean it'd be sort of interesting to see how this story would you know if the, if it was rejigged a bit and restructured how how it could how it could work because i suppose that the pre-title sequence could have could have been essentially what we have uh but but then it they're they're caught quickly into this war then yeah. you have the title sequence and then they have to quickly uh create another soldier so you know maybe it could have been rejigged in that in that way but having said that, though, the, the main focus of the story is the fact that we have this uh, genetically created uh, person, Jenny, uh, yeah. the daughter of the title. Um, so, again, it goes into the, very much the the structure of the Russell T. Davis era of, you know, you, you get everything in relation to this, you know, the, the exposition of the, you, the, the setting up of the story, which I think he phrased... If you would, if you were comparing this to classic Doctor Who, everything that would be in the first episode, so the first twenty-five minutes, you condense yes. into the first three, which is the pre-title sequence. You get all that in there. You dump, uh, so you, you get that out of the way. Then you go to the title sequence, and then you can just get onto the main thrust of the the story, um, which I, I can I can see where he's coming from because obviously this is this is modern television, and you've got individual episodes usually. Uh, of about 45 minutes so time is of a premium and i remember this was back when um 
this was actually back in 2005, so I was still in sixth form at the time, and Doctor Who had, had just uh, come back. And I was looking into, you know, how would I write a Doctor Who story? Um, so I, I, I did do it as a bit of an exercise. I came I came up with a story, which was, f- funny enough, a Simon story. And uh, I was trying to do that. And in terms of structuring it around modern Doctor Who, I, I actually found it really difficult. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm not a professional writer, so there's that. But um... it's a tough one. When I was reading about Doctor Who's return back in late 2004, early 2005, mm-hmm. um, I just read the simple matter of it not being serialised over an entire week. It's going to be a, a one-episode format, and I was furious inside. You know? <laughs> um yes it does work but yes it's, it's a, it is a different kind of storytelling mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah very much so but yes I, i'm just trying to consider the point that you've raised because i'm just in relation to how i was watching it because yeah i suppose it was a bit it was you could actually argue maybe it was a bit too quick and so things are just you know you've got a lot of uh, setting up and exposition if you like just thrown at you and it sort of leaves you leaves you in a daze yes uh if perhaps it had been the cliffhanger the previous week and maybe it had been preempted a bit earlier on down the line with the hand. You know, we know something's coming. Mm-hmm. But then I suppose if we knew something was coming, time lordish, this would have been a bit anticlimactic, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would have been even more furious, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, but as it is, I mean, I've, I've got uh, f- from my end, I've got no complaints about it because this is actually a, a, an episode that I, I really enjoy. Yeah, and I do quite like. And it's like what I said before, it's sort of, um, in many respects, I think this is sort of, um, you know, your, your classic average um, Doctor Who story. And I thought it had a sort of um, uh, a frothy feel to it in that it was quite lightheaded. Uh, and I suppose that goes to the, the, the very fast paced nature of the story. Yes. Um, but it also sort of reminded me of that. It, it it sort of reminded me a bit of some of the Tom Baker stories, uh, particularly in the when Graham Williams was the producer, and it sort of had that delightful, light-headed feel of season twenty-four, which is Sylvester McCoy's first season. Uh, and you know, and we have you know we have the standard of you know the abundance of dark corridors, two warring factions, which the Doctor has to bring together, and the mythology concerning an actual truth. It sort of, it feels like it's um, how can I put it like a pure distillation of what Doctor Who is about, and in many ways, I think this is a story that could pretty much fit any era of the show. Do you, uh, do you think that any era, including the cl- the classic era, is that what you mean? Yeah, yes, I, I think so. Um, I do love. Um, I think perhaps the you shouldn't look too closely at the detail of the sets. Um, but the fact that it's very fast-paced and the, the camera's constantly following them around does help. Um, but that doesn't really answer your question. Yes, I do. I think it do, it, it would. Um, you could extrapolate this and put it in into any um, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, actually, I thought the the locations that they used uh, were you know really effective for telling the story. But watching it now, uh, and obviously for the sakes of the podcast, you know, you're, you're approaching it with a with a more analytical eye, I suppose. I was just wondering, you know, um, when they've become separated and Donna, um, Martha's on her own and the Doctor and Donna are together yeah. and they're being introduced to the General. 
is that um, stage location, is that used in a Torchwood episode? It could be. Are you think? Are you thinking of um? I the forgot ca- the Captain Jack Harkness. That's the name of the episode. I think it is. Is that the one where he falls in love with the um a soldier from World War Two? Yes. Yes, that's um, the episode I'm thinking of. It yeah. could be. Yes. There's also another shot in this where they are. Well, it's actually the um the tunnel they're in. Uh, where Jenny's created, I, I feel like that tunnel has been used in Sherlock. Oh, right, okay. I don't know, maybe it's just a generic tunnel shape, tunnel <laughs> <laughs> looks similar. <laughs> that caught my eye. But mm-hmm. yes, you might be right about the cinema, yeah. Um, the Doctor says to Donna later on down the line, I'm jumping ahead here, that um, he's had kids before, or mm-hmm. or he's had he's had, he's been a father to one, and he's had more family. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think? Like, well, let's just consider for a moment. And do you think Jenny could bear a resemblance to his children? Oh, that's interesting. I know uh, it's not implied, but you know, just just for the sake of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would actually think now that you put it, I actually think that's a very obvious observation to make, and it's sort of like one of those things of I've never thought of that before. Um, but now because that you put he, it, he, it can't, like... he can't bear to lay, bear eyes on her. For, yeah. Um, the first half of the episode. <laughs> I mean, if you if you take this theory um, as possibly being true, then perhaps this was his daughter. But yeah, it's not something I've really considered until now. Ah, right. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's an interesting uh, possibility, and it, it, and in that sense. I suppose it'd be interesting to see what turns up in the, the next episode of The Legacy of Time Yeah. Uh, when we come to, to listening and reviewing that. Um, but that's interesting. But yeah, um, that scene that you're talking about, I think that's one of the, the highlights of this episode because um, there's some nice um, emotional moments in it. And this is one of them. Um, one, I think it's written really well and David Turner performs it superbly and we sort of get hints of past events that have shaped him and he does say that he can't really move move beyond that now that everyone's gone and and donna says well don't be ridiculous you know you can change yeah we you know you you can move forward Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and uh and uh, so you've got that and how um so you've got that side of it and then the the repulsion he for uh that he has for killing you know when he's reluctantly discussing about the time war and the losses he suffered over the years, um, so yeah, that, that's a that's a really good uh, that's a really good scene uh, emotionally. And as I said, I think it's it's written re- really rather well and um, and performed superbly by David Tennant and and also uh, Catherine Tate with how she's uh, you know listening and responding to the Doctor. It's a, it's a really good two handed scene. Uh, the other uh, emotional moment in it is because. Um, well, we haven't actually discussed uh, the half, um, um, but there's a um, Martha befriends one of them, you know, and it's sort mm. of like a, it's a nice little sort of like cute um, relationship that they have. They sort of befriend each other, and you know, he uh, the half is a sort of uh, you know he's a bit, bit sort of hesitant, but you know Ma- Martha's showing him to be courageous and everything like that. And then it's it that scene where he dies saving her. Um, 
uh, I thought I thought that was a very powerful scene as well. And you can see how that affects Martha through the remainder of the episode. Yeah, it's devastating. Uh, and I'm wondering what was the point um, in Martha, Martha's narrative here? Of course, this is a, a very tragic event to her. You know, she's um, she's devastated when the mm-hmm. hearth dies. Do you think this could be put in the story to um, rem- as a reminder to Martha of why she doesn't want to, to continue travelling with the Doctor? Uh, or is it a contrast between Donna being with the Doctor and they're in mortal danger but they don't die and... Then you have Martha as part of the narrative where she's alone. Mm-hmm. The Doctor's not there to save the day. Could could that be a, um, a possibility? I think so, yes. Um, I mean, just looking at in terms of the, the structure of the episode, in terms of, I think, how a writer would approach it, is um, what it... Al- yeah, I th- which you've actually just hinted at. It does allow the fact that uh, they're in a dangerous situation. Um, we're aware that the Doctor and Donna in a dangerous situation because you know they're dealing with um with a maniac general, um. But you know you're just sort of peddling along with that, and this sort of adds uh, adds an element of further emotion and you know further risk and everything like that. Um. I mean, it does have the, the it does have the odd consequence though of going um when it sort of the story sort of sidelines Martha. And really, in many respects, it could be argued that um, her side of the story doesn't really provide a function in no. terms of the narrative. If you were to, uh, if you were to remove Martha from the story and those scenes that she's in, the story would uh, operate in very much the same lines without really any change. Um, or oh, it it could give the possibility of um, letting us as the viewer seeing the hath as the enemy well you know if we if we don't get to see their part of the side of the story yeah well that's what i was just about to say so but i think what it does do is actually uh it what it does is it doesn't um um it doesn't uh thrust the narrative forward in of itself but what it does do is it it brings the half into the story more, and we've got that we've got that nice contrast. Yeah. And funny enough, the the last uh, few podcasts we have talked about um, certain scenes or certain moments in stories which don't necessarily um, serve as the plot uh, in a, in a strict sense, but there are moments there which add a richness to the story. Uh, you know, we talked about it in, for Remembrance of the Daleks in, in particular, and I think this is one of those things of going, it do, you know, in a in a in a cold clinical way, it doesn't service the story, but actually, what it does, what this element of the story does, it adds a richness to it, and it brings the half in, and it brings you know Martha back, and it was actually quite nice because um, she's written really well, and uh, Freema basically hits the ground running playing the part again, um, yeah. you know, and it's it's sort of those memories and those experiences that she had traveling with the doctor you know she's more than capable of of um of dealing with the situation and know how to 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 handle herself um but then there's this moment of peril which given the situation that traveling with the doctor um can bring about you know she's in uh and you know make friends and so on and but also it adds an emotional element another emotional element to the story outside the doctor 
um, which again adds uh, more engagement and a richness to the story, um, which which I think is quite nice. Yeah, I think I would argue that um, perhaps the Hath dying is just as devastating as Jenny dying. If anything, it seems it seems more sad because of Martha's performance. Yes. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. And there's just some because um, uh, I love the Hath uh, as as an idea, uh, but uh, I think that the design of them is is brilliant and that unusual way that they have to communicate because they have no mouth. They've got this strange contraption which seems to they all have and they allowing them to breathe and they communicate through bubbles. Really, it seems. Uh, so there's there's some wonderful moments earlier on where Martha's having to communicate with them, but it has to be through through body language really more than mm. anything, uh, which which is quite nice. But then later on, it's hinted that that she you know she's managed to work out how they communicate because when they because everything's been underground, but when they arrive at the service and the hath she's befriended decides to join her, it, uh, he uh, he says something. And she goes language yeah you know which is you know quite a nice little joke but it also shows that you know she's managed to um under understand the language a bit and well i was about to bring that up um of course she's developed a dialogue with them mm-hmm. um and that of course like you said that could be born out of the body language and the empathy that she's got for them mm-hmm. um and of course um observation and um how you relate to people is um is a big percentage of how we do communicate you know it's not just verbal um mm-hmm. but could this goes back into a few pure fan speculation here but could there be an element of um tardis translation here i suppose so um that's that's always an explanation um but i think it's it's yeah, I mean that's there. That's sort of like written within the show, and I suppose it could be explained on those lines. Mm-hmm. But I suppose it could, it could be said that maybe the the Tardis can only commun- uh, translate uh, verbal translation, um, and the way I mean the way that I interpret it, there's nothing again. If if you if you think it is the Tardis translator working, that's absolutely fine. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I think this is one of those things where it's down to personal preference. I sort of like look at it at um, well, because this isn't verbal communication, the TARDIS isn't able really to translate. So mm-hmm. Martha has to work it out on her own, and she manages to do that. Yeah, I think I do firmly believe that. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just just uh, just considering. Yeah. One thing I forgot to mention earlier on when Martha first meets the Hath, and it's got a dislocated shoulder, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just kind of pops it back into place. You'd think she would have felt his other shoulder first to see what it should feel like. <laughs> oh yeah that's a good point yeah because they're, not, ana- she- they're not anatomically human you know i mean they do look <laughs> they do look like a bloke in a um a black suit with a mask on <laughs> <laughs> Shh, you're spoiling the not. illusion Sorry. yeah no no that's all right uh no because i mean obviously that's what they are but I, nevertheless I, yeah. do, I do think it's a good uh i think it's a good design yeah. um i think they have got a good look of um of looking both good and bad at the same time Oh, right. you, you know what I mean they look, they're both depending on how how much you look at the details you know they can look either cheap or they can look very good you know depending on um, your own perspective 
I suppose what it is, it's, it's about, I think what you're talking about is, you know, are you able to suspend your disbelief? Because yes. <laughs> for all practical purposes, we know uh, that you, uh, that this is a person in a, in a, um, in a jumpsuit with a That's, with a, that's what we're made mask. to believe. <laughs> yeah. But actually, I think, um, I've, one, I, I just love the design of them. And I love the, the, the colour scheme, uh, you know, and the, you know, the, the put in the detail of, you know, making the gills breathe and... They've just, even got their, a funny walk, haven't they? Yes, they have actually. Yeah, they have. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the path walk. Yeah, the, <laughs> should we start imitating it? Yeah. Walk into town. Um, <laughs> with a, guess, with a the, of, guess the Doctor Who walk. Yeah, with a with a bottle of water strapped to our faces. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> see if people get the reference or just freak people out. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but, but uh, just, anyway, despite this, I do, I do, I do generally uh, like the design and I've always found them very memorable. Um, and ever since I first watched uh, The Doctor's Daughter, I've always uh, fondly remembered it. Um, and one of the reasons is because of the hat. Uh, hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, in some respects, I would like to see them return. But then um, what would the story be? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. But uh no, I suppose they're fine for a one-off monster. You don't have to make every uh, thing come back. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I like them. Yeah. I think um, had this not been Russell's last series, they might have been recycled, mightn't they? Uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Martha's got a lot of self-confidence, hasn't she, um, when she goes off on her own? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's obviously developed a lot since series three. Well, I think given what uh, you know, one just the the, the standard run in the mill thing that you know that companions experience uh, with certain stories, um, that experience would be there. But when you um, uh, when you consider what she had to go through in the Sound of Drums and Last of the Time Lords, yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, she 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 would hit the ground running, and um, and of course for the past yeah, she's been working for Unit and Torchwood. Yes, yes, that's true, yeah. Yeah. It's very convenient that um these cloned warriors come out with clothes and Thank makeup. Goodness. Yes, I think <laughs> I think the, I suppose it could be explained that uh, they get cloned and then the clothes are put on them when they're in the booth in, in some way. But yes, I think I think the uh, funny enough I did I did notice the um the incredible makeup that uh, that that Jenny has, especially uh, especially the um, the eyeliner, yeah, uh, perfectly perfectly applied. Um, and very of course, distinctive. had she been naked in the opening scene, it would have been much more believable. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the story would be far more far more watchable. <laughs> have, it would have better viewing appeal, Robert. Really, um, yeah. they could have conveniently shrouded her in smoke or something. <laughs> Ways to make the story better here. Yeah. <laughs> um, in this story, Donna's becoming very observant. Mm-hmm. She's obviously um a very intelligent character. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I'm going into another bit of pure fan speculation that no one can answer. But could this um be a precursor to the Meta Crisis? Echoing back. She's become an observant like the Doctor. Um, I, I think me saying this um, is a bit of an insult to Donna's intelligence. 
Um, but it was just a, it was just a fleeting thought I had. No, no, that's, could... you know, that's fair, fair enough. But uh, but I would say no. I mm. think what it is is uh, one of the reasons why um, I really liked Donna, and I also find the character's departure from the series incredibly emotional, mm. is because you know she she is intelligent, and but she is racked with self doubt and doesn't have any self belief because of. You know, for a number of factors, but one of the things that the, the series touches on is because you know, um, is, is the relationship that she has with her mother. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she, you know, constantly putting her down all the time and so on. It's one of those things where her being with the doctor actually make you know makes her a better person. But the but it's not because, I mean, yes, yeah, she's learning things through the experience and the adventures that she's having. But one of the the the, the key things is that she starts to develop self confidence. Yeah, uh, and that's what that's what I think you know we have here. Uh, you know she's, and it's it's really nice because actually you know, she, you know her 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 job role was that as a temp, uh, you know which is mentioned uh, on occasion, but that doesn't mean that you you know you're, you're stupid or anything like that. Actually, you know you are thinking and you do um, develop analytical skills and so on, and she's putting those into practice here, and I think that's really rather nice, um, and I. And I'm just trying to think. Um, I think we start to see that really come into the fore in Planet of the Ood. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to think of a character development. Um, yeah, so I think we really start to see her her self confidence come to the fore in Planet of the Ood, and that continues into the Sontaran story. Yeah, and um, it's continued here. And I again, this is another highlight of the episode because I love that scene. You know, when she's explained to the doctor about what the numbers mean, he's gone, yeah. "All right, okay, that's very good." And she's gone, "No, no, no, no." But you're not getting the main point. And you know, she's the one that actually determines because this this war that's uh, that's gone on for generations, uh, and it's generations in terms of the clones. But actually, in real time, it's only it's only been a week. Yeah. Um, which is not necessarily original idea, but it's a nice one, and I think it's realised here very well. And I think it's great uh, that one, it's the, it's Donna who manages to work that out and explains it. And I love the Doctor's reaction um, mm. to her having found that out. You know, because he's gone, "Oh, you're brilliant!" And it, you know, it's uh, I love that scene as well. That's another highlight. Yeah, I do love the Doctor and Donna as as a duo. You know, it's like. She she doesn't think of the doctor as being inferior. Well, not to a certain extent, and um, <laughs> she doesn't feel that herself is inferior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good dynamic. It is, yeah. So it's, uh, so you know when when she departs in Journey's End, with all her memories of her time with the Doctor wiped, you know, ah, oh, it's it's. I mean, at some point when we go in, into. If we ever get round to reviewing the stolen Earth journey's end, we'll we'll talk about it properly then. But it's it's devastating. Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't Moffat. He would have brought her back the next week. Oh, for God's sake! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the Russell. Did, did, she did. She did. She did come back. Yeah. 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 She did. Yeah. But not in a major way. So that was nice of her as an actor mm-hmm. com- coming back to s- such a small extent, but um, it had a big impact. Yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, but yeah, that, that was sort of good because the way that her d- departure was was written, you know, and you're bringing her back, it was it was ke- it was keeping in truth to her departure because I thought that was um, it was an incredible departure and very emotional. And I wouldn't have want 
I wouldn't have wanted that to be rewritten because mm-hmm. it was such a powerful way for a, uh, for her character to depart. Totally, yeah. The Doctor is talking to the General, you know, in the theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, and he mentions genocide. You know, look in the dictionary. There'll be a picture of him saying over his dead body. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and also at the end of the story, which we'll get to soon, but he says um, he never would carry a gun. He never would kill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course, we know these two things aren't true. No, not in relation to the Doctor's past, but I think I think those things are clearly very much in the, the then Doctor's present. Yeah. Uh, because of his experience and the guilt and the emotion he has, which which we were talking about before in that earlier scene. Um, you know, where he's discussing, you know, he's talking about war and his experience of loss and so on. Um, so There's yes. a nice scene with him and Jenny when she makes the comparison of him. Um, he's fought, he's killed, and she says, well... Doesn't that make us the same? Yeah, um, and again, I thought that that I thought that was a nice little scene of, um, you know, because on the face of it, they do seem to be completely different. But then, as the episode progresses, they um, they're learning from one another, but they also have similarities as well as some differences, and uh, and that's that's quite nice. Yeah, yeah. and she she mentions when he gets his screwdriver out, she tells him while well, he's using it as a weapon. Yes, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, one of the things that um, that did strike me uh, in this episode was the the general Cobb. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, is, is he the is he the human general? Yes. For a second, I thought you said the general Cod. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the heart. Is it oh, the fish? No, no, no. Sorry, Cobb. C O B B. General Cod. Um, brilliant. Ah, oh, the rest of trick with that one. Um. Anyway, sorry, Cobb. Um, one of the things that struck me about when watching this episode was actually um, the actor playing that part. Uh, I thought he actually had tremendous presence uh, because mm. obviously he's the me- he he's really the the person who is um, uh, philosophically against what the Doctor's about in this story. Yes. Um, so uh, he's really sort of um, the villain of the piece, but actually he's he's not all that in the story i think it's just a handful of scenes relative com- you know relatively compared to um you know because really it's the doctor donna martha and uh, and jenny the main focus is naturally on them yeah um but i thought he had tremendous uh, presence um and the actor is nigel terry uh who uh, in preparation for this podcast i found passed uh, found out he passed away uh in april 2015 only oh. at the age of 69. Right. Um, and I, I was just, you know, I was just really aware of, you know, uh, of his performance. And I thought he he gave tremendous, um, I just thought he played the part incredibly well. And gave a good, uh, you know, he had tremendous presence. Yeah, I think we're very fortunate because quite a few of the characters were a bit underwhelming, weren't they? Especially the other human characters. Yeah, uh, so, for, yeah, so in comparison, I mean, this isn't, this isn't, uh, I'm not criticising the the actor. Um, I've forgotten the character's name, unfortunately, but he's the sort of the young soldier who um, who obviously has a thing for Jenny. Yeah, and he, she seduces him. They get out the get out the cell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And I think he's he's one of the, 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 the that sort of part that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. 
but again, that's nothing towards the actor because I actually think he plays that part quite well. But I think that's uh, despite the material rather than because of it. And don't get me wrong, I don't wish to um, uh, criticise the, the writer, uh, Stephen Greenhorn, um, who also wrote The Lazarus Experiment. Because actually, I actually think he does a really good uh, job here. And I was, I was, it, I would actually like him to come back and write for Doctor Who, uh, because I think I know that the Lazarus Experiment isn't particularly highly rated amongst Doctor Who fans, or that's my understanding of it. But I think that's a, I think that's a decent episode, and he's written this one, which uh, I think is really rather good. I'd like, I'd like him to to come back, but I think he writes the episode really well. But obviously, given the the focus on the other characters, I think it's. I think it's understandable why you know certain characters wouldn't uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be able to, to shine in comparison. Yeah, yeah. But then again, all the um, the minor Hath characters don't either. Do <laughs> no, 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 that's true. They're, they're, I think their presence is felt more in their uh, in the uh, the costume design. Yeah. Uh, than perhaps anything, but um, but that but the uh, the relationship that one of the Hath has with Martha, I think, is is, is written rather well and. Um, mm. Mm. And performed well as well. I like how um, Donna decides to seduce the next god. <laughs> would, would have been good to see that. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. That was a, that was a nice uh, character <laughs> character moment and uh, a humorous moment as well for the episode. Um, huh. uh, yeah, I, I like that moment as well, and just uh, the Doctor's reaction of just going maybe use your womanly wiles later on if we, you know for when we really need them I, that made me laugh i thought that that, that was great though yeah that was good what did you think of the laser backflip scene my heart loves it uh but there's a part sort of like the gnarled cynical part of my brain is basically going i should dislike this but i don't um my i feel like my reaction should be well this is ridiculous it's too much but it's just no uh, it's it's a nice little um, light-hearted moment. And... I guess so. But these humans that they're just soldiers. They're not super soldiers. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a strange thing. It is strange, but I think actually it, it does provide <laughs> some levity for for the episode because even though it's very uh, action-packed and goes really quick, actually, and I think series four is like this as a whole. Really, there's quite um, a very serious downbeat feel to it. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not. I'm not going to argue that the Doctor's daughter is this incredibly depressing episode because it's not. Far from it. But nonetheless, there are some moments where you, which does provide some levity. Uh, that moment when we're talking about, you know, Donna before trying to seduce the guard. You know that, that you actually, you know that actually, it's only through you mentioning it. I actually go, well, yeah, actually, there's very few laughs in this episode. That's one of them. And then you've got this scene, which is a nice little bit of um, light-hearted fun, uh, which is just absolutely enjoyable. And given the fact of what's going to happen later on, um, I think you know, I think it's one of those moments which actually provides us provides some balance in yes. the, in the episode. In moments before that, um, the Doctor's like, "Oh, she's just see, she's just another soldier." Mm-hmm. But then we we'll see we we'll see her perspective of that. She's. Um, She's opening fire, and um, and then she looks down at her gun, and decides mm-hmm. it's the wrong thing to do. Yes. So she she shoots the pipe above the general's head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a turning point for her. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
and you know she does that backflip and sort of like the doctor's impressed and then he and then she you know explains what you you've just said about uh what she shoots and he's you know it's going oh fantastic you know you're you're really rather wonderful and so there's that there's, there's that warming up between the characters because up until that moment the, well initially the doctor's quite cold and dismissive of her it's actually Donna that makes him start to, to consider otherwise that actually even though that she's born genetic you know from just a, a cell taken from your hand she is your daughter it's through Donna's interaction with the doctor he starts to consider it he slowly starts to warm. He's sort of like toing and froing during the course of the episode, and then finally, at this moment, you know, following the backflip, uh, which is just this absolute joyous moment, and it's sort of, and then it, uh, and then it sort of builds up and coheres around that that wonderful that wonderful moment, uh, you know, uh, which you've uh, just explained, and you know, it's just like, oh, you know, it's just absolutely uh, lovely to see. So then later on, when it it it. it uh, what it does it's it's actually very important because one in terms of character development and in terms of the story but then the emotional impact for when jenny is shot um a few moments later yeah because donna's been saying to the doctor you know oh you know tell her won't you see some planets and the doctor's very accepting that um she's going to come traveling with them mm-hmm. yeah mm. So I, th- I think at that point he kind of realized oh, yeah she's not going to be here next week is she <laughs> <laughs> no yeah um, of all the um, the positive points you've raised about Donna, there is a moment in the in the theatre scene um, when Donna has a bit of genuine human ignorance when she says to Jenny Weller, "Well, she's not real." <laughs> yeah, that seemed a bit um, a bit sort of odd because it seems to me that the the way that it was written and performed was that Donna was very um, accepting and on the ball in relation to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when she says that, it fe- I don't know, it feels a bit sort of forced in order for Jenny to make that point that she is real. I mean, um, I'm I'm half fine with it. I mean, you know, it's just human nature. You know, we say things that are on our mind and we regret. You know, we didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't mean to... Um, we didn't mean to hurt anyone or offend anyone by that, but um, maybe she was just trying to convey the fact that she wasn't obviously um, his real child. You know, mm-hmm. it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I just yeah, it's a, it was a bit, a bit of a sort of like a peculiar moment, I suppose. But yeah, as you say, I mean, uh, you know, we're not perfect, and we, you know, we we can be inconsistent. So yeah, yeah, that's fine. So of course we get to the end where. They get to the source, and it turns out that it's a terraforming module that'll turn the the atmosphere of the planet mm-hmm. into a breathable, livable atmosphere. Um, of course, this is a great thing, and most people do put the weapons down apart from the general. Mm-hmm. And I think this this comes at no surprise because earlier on he was committed to seeing through what he started. So I think that does. It's not un- unbelievable that he's um, he's open fired. You know, it's um, we know what fundamentally what he what he what his driving force is. You know, mm-hmm. so it didn't seem out of character. Um, and of course, Jenny sacrifice sacrifices herself, and that uh, you know, th- 
you know, the the story's obviously been building up to this moment because uh, mm. I think it was the you, you know if you're analysing the story, you could say that there was some foreshadowing, and that it was going to go into this direction, and that it happens, um, and it's a strong emotional moment. And for me, this is what sells the story. So, because uh, as I say, I really do like the the Doctor's daughter, but the bit that uh, I'm not keen on, which probably won't surprise. <laughs> surprise you where i'm going with this so we have that moment where jenny is shot and she you know she dies as a result of that and that's incredibly emotional uh and as i said for me that's what sells the story so i find it a little irritating uh and i thought it was interesting because uh this was what my initial reaction was back in 2008 and i was wondering what my reaction was going to be when watching it now but i've still had the same reaction uh, not as strongly, but it's still there. And um, I am a little irritated that we then have to go through what I think is the cheap trick of Jenny being revived. To me, it's sort of like it undersells the story a bit. And it goes, well, why did we go through that? Again, this is a point that we've raised uh, in previous podcasts, you know, when we're talking about, you know, the, the sad uh, death and departure of a character. You know, you go through that drama and that emotional moment only for them to suddenly come back um i think it, that does imply that this was more about the doctor's struggles and his development mm. because we, we get, we'll have to see him go through this and then leave um and this this reinforces his belief that um Kiln is wrong i suppose but then yeah so okay, yeah okay that makes sense but at the same time uh he demonstrates that understanding in this episode anyway because at, that, at this point in the story he's fully accepting of jenny and that she is his daughter she is then murdered and then um obviously being a parent that makes him seemingly you know th- to, uh, to begin with homicidally enraged but he makes the point that uh, he's not going to you know retaliate and do like for like uh he's already of that viewpoint um, so I can see where you're coming from, but I would go. But that 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 points already that that points already in the story. Would you have preferred if either she had stayed dead, or if it had just been implied that she might be being revived? Right, this is going to make me sound like a really grumpy, miserable <laughs> git. I would have preferred it if she was dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Liam. Nice to have you. The, <laughs> nice to have you at the party. You're a load of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just in terms of the drama, I mean, because um, my thought going all the way back to 2008 was that now, but okay, by all means, have her come back, but only if her character is, returns and is used effectively. Otherwise, I think the ending is pretty poor. So, now that we're going to be looking at um, the legacy of time. And Jenny, uh, so this is going to be the first time I'm going to be hearing Jenny since the doctor's uh, the doctor's daughter, and and hearing her in a big Finnish audio adventure. Then it's going to be right. Is my is my uh, opinion on that going to change? Because as I said, it's like by all means bring her back, but only if her character returns returns and is used effectively. Yeah. Otherwise, I think. Um, that sort of renders a bit of the story pointless. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit of a funny one. I mean, I, I suppose in many respects, I'm, I'm maybe making a big thing about this because, just in terms of the confines of the story, it doesn't ruin it for me. No. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I st- I still enjoy it, and I'm still happy to go along for the ride, and I will happily rewatch it. I don't think the story is ruined. I just think that uh, you know, it's it's a fine choice, but given that the ca- given the character that they've created. And you're going to bring her back, you know, you've brought her back to life. I would say only do that if you're thinking of bringing her back at some point. Mm. Otherwise, mm. otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. Because we've, you know, you've built your story up to her death. And that's a big dramatic emotional moment. And then you've kind of, you've then basically backtracked on that, making that bit of the story pointless, I think, but. It's a strange one. It's almost like um, you finish the episode thinking, okay, well, she's definitely going to be back. But at the same time, I was thinking that's a thread I don't want pulled on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. I um, suppose if you're, a, if you're a kid, you know, if you're six, seven or eight, mm-hmm. it was probably quite a relief that she's back. It was good entertainment when you consider yeah. it as a, as, a, as a family and a kid show. Yeah, and I suppose... And actually, within... I mean, one thing I haven't considered, because we are reviewing the story in of itself, uh, actually, its place in the uh, in the series, which is the middle of it, I suppose, actually, maybe it would have been a bit too much, because although we didn't know this at the time, although we probably suspected, but we didn't know, was that even the, uh, was that the, the very final story of the season would actually see um, Donna depart. Yes. In what we've said, you know, because we've just talked about that before, and it, 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 in what is actually a very emotional uh, moment. Um, so actually, probably, if you if you had that, because Series 4 is actually quite damn beat. Um, it starts off light-hearted with Voyage of the Damned, uh, the Christmas special, although there is a bit of emotion in there, but uh, it certainly starts off light-hearted with Partners in Crime. Mm-hmm. Then it gradually, you know, gradually gets a bit more serious with the Pfizer Pompeii, Planet of the Oud, and so on. Then you've got, because uh, the following story, The Unicorn and the Wasp, is, you know, this series at its most lighthearted, and that's one of my all time favourite Doctor Who stories. And then from that point on, it gets a bit more serious with Science of the Library, Midnight Turn Left, and then leading into Journey's End. Yeah. So suppose that in terms of the structure of a series, if you had this story and Jenny was dead, Maybe it could be argued that the series would have been too dour. Um, so actually, in that sense, I can see probably why they did that. I wonder if that was the intention earlier on in the writing process to kill her off, and then, and then bring her back. Yeah, I mean, it's, no, as I said, to, no, just to have her dead. I wonder if them. Oh, that was right. part of the original draft. Oh, that'd be interesting. I'm not sure. Mm. Maybe, yeah. But as I say, I mean, I know that that's a viewpoint of mine that makes me sound, you know, makes me sound like a really, really like miserable git. Um, and as I said, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's it, I don't think it actually ruins the episode. So it's not, it's not, it's not too awful or awful a decision or whatever like that. And um, hey, Big Finish has made a series or two out of it already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, it, so as I said, it'd be interesting to to see what we think of. Uh, the next episode of A Legacy of Time. Yeah. Um, when Jenny's dying, Martha, Martha, for the second time in this episode, uses her magic x-ray vision, just like she did with the Hath's arm. She just, um, she, what is it, Donna, that says, is she going to be all right? And, and Martha's like, 
Well, she's a. D- <laughs> <laughs> but I thought she was feeding a pulse. But yeah, so. so <laughs> well, in all fact, I mean, she just has been shot in the chest. I think it's a pretty safe guess. Well, just, yes, but you know, you can be shot in the chest, you can be shot in the head, and you can still survive. <laughs> but she seems certain. She's like, nah, <laughs> she's, she's dead. Nah. It's just fine. You know, she, Jenny's on the floor talking. You know, it's not the thing you want to hear. <laughs> no, that that's true. That reminds me of um, the uh, the TV presenter uh, Graham Norton. This was going years back. He he was uh, he'd been uh, stabbed. It was really quite serious, and he was he was telling the story, and the way he was saying it was just going. I hope it was her first day, because you know he he's lying there, and he's thinking that he you know he needs to you know contact his mother and all the rest of it, and he actually asks the paramedic there, going, "Am I going to be all right?" And she goes, "Um," <laughs> and she goes, "That's not what you put you here. You want to go? You just go yes, yes. You're going to be fine." <laughs> and he said it was. He said it was actually at that moment he realised it was serious. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can laugh about it now but it's like blimey yeah. Uh, but yeah <laughs> you're right that's not what you want to hear just go on. you know when the person's still there and send you you know you want to reassure them but you don't want to hear that last thing of going no you're, you're going to die it's a, don't put up a fight it's not worth it it's a waste of time so after this as you were saying before the doctor holds the gun to the general's head I think it's obvious he wouldn't have shot, but it's still a tense few seconds, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. And you are wondering if, you know, is the series going to go a bit Quentin Tarantino? But yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think it's yeah, I think it's obvious that uh, he, he's not going to do it. But um, at the same time, it's, it's an understandable initial reaction, you know, because, yeah. you know, I, th- I think uh, if you're a parent and you've just had your child murdered and that doesn't make you homicidally enraged, I think... I think that would be quite odd. Um, so there is that moment, yeah, d- dramatically. It's, it's, it's a great dramatic moment. But then it's relieved by that tension of, you know, he, he what was the, what's the words? He never would. Yeah, I never would. Yeah. So, as the story's coming to a close, the doctor's back in the TARDIS with Martha and Donna, and he explains that, um, I think it's like a predestination paradox. Mm-hmm. That's how he'll describe it. Um, of Jack's Time Lord Detector bringing them there in the first place because it had detected Jenny um, but they arrived too early which created the whole instance in the first place um, yeah <laughs> yes which I thought yeah because that, that's what we're hinting at uh, earlier on in the podcast when we said you know we were going to explain this moment uh, so yeah and I think um, I think I actually thought that was quite uh, a nice deftly written little bit of exposition yeah he explains it better than I just did. <laughs> I think I made um, it sound a bit more confusing than it needed to be. <laughs> but no, I, I, I got what you mean, and probably the listeners will as well. Um, but yeah, it, de- I, it detected her, but they arrived too early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought, yeah, I, th- I thought that was quite well written, and um, it, it, you know, it wrapped that up uh, quite nicely. So yeah, that that was uh, that was good. Yeah, I think it's nice having the presence of M. Um, Jack and Torchwood there. I think it's great how the hand in the jar was a prop from series one of Torchwood, which went on to be um, a regular piece in the TARDIS for a whole season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's quite cool. You don't often get elements that are created in spin-offs that make it into the main show. 
No, that's true, actually, yeah. Um, of course, we did get... You might not be familiar with many episodes of the Sarah Jane Adventures, but one of the main antagonists in that show would be the Trickster. Um, and the Trickster, obviously, is referenced in the episode Turn Left. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and also in Miracle Day as well. I've uh, I've forgotten the reference in Miracle Day, but yeah, I have. Uh, I'm not overly familiar with the Sarah Jane Adventures, but I've seen uh, a couple of episodes, and one of them I think did actually have the trickster in, which I think is a great idea and really well realised. I think it's you know, really really good. And yeah, is is referenced in uh, Turn Left. Um, yeah, I remember I remember that, but I can't remember being uh, trickster being referenced in Miracle Day. And in Miracle Day, you probably will remember the episode. You know, there's an episode set in the past, and Jack's friend. Um, oh, is this like nineteen uh, tens America or yes, something? Yes, I'm trying to remember his name. Um, but yes, um, his friend who becomes a bit of a Doctor Who companion to Jack being a Doctor kind of figure. Oh right, I see what you mean. Yeah. You know they have they have a very um, there's very dramatic um, chase music, and he's like, oh, yeah, I had it. I once knew a guy called the Doctor. He had companions, and you know, like then all of a sudden they become a Doctor companion duo. Um, and Jack is um, he's opening a crate and this alien snake thing is inside and he says it's been placed there by the trickster to um, to change time oh that rings a fake bell now oh right yeah. okay yeah 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 so um, they finally get home and they're saying bye to Martha mm-hmm. uh, one of my favourite bits in this scene is when Don- Donna says Oh, I'll be travelling with the Doctor forever, <laughs> and you know, there's just just the expression on Martha's face when she's like, mm. <laughs> says it all. We we know what she means. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, whatever, love. Uh, <laughs> then Martha admires her engagement ring before she goes home. Just yeah, just to let her know that she's, uh, she's engaged. I feel that's more. Yeah. I think that's more for the audience yes. more than anything. Uh, that's also a plot point that was established in Torchwood. I think. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Because I know that uh, I think it was established quite early on in uh, I think Smith and Jones that you know she had a she had a love interest and that she was engaged to one of the doctors or something like that. So it's a bit weird later on in uh, the end of time that she actually married uh, Mickey. Yes. Mm, which is a bit. Mm, okay. Mm. I think that's um, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that I'm completely opposed to it, but um, yeah, it brings up the question of whether it was it felt too forced or did it feel right. I um, think it was. I mean, I mean, could you see uh, Martha having a relationship with Mickey? It didn't seem likely. No. And then after this, as you were mentioning, we have um, Jenny coming back to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she breathes the um, regeneration energy. <laughs> Um, so it's not quite a regeneration that's just happened, but um, considering this is our first day alive, um, we've seen the doctor at the end of a regeneration story use like res- residual energy to heal himself, haven't we? Mm-hmm, yeah. So it could be that she's only a day old, she's still got this energy inside of her that heals her, but doesn't require a regeneration. Possibly the way that um. I sort of look at it though is the fact that you know she it's one of those things where she's similar to the doctor but different so you know she she's she's a time lord and the fact that she's got you know uh two hearts and is able to um 
to regenerate. But um, she can, but d but doesn't necessarily have the capacity to uh, completely change uh, personality. You could actually argue as well that this is maybe a bit of foreshadowing because, you know, she died, she regenerates, but she she comes back as Jenny uh, without any change. And then later on in the series, because it's in that series finale, the Doctor gets shot by a Dalek, regenerates, but remains as David Tennant. Yes. We all thought he was the 10th Doctor, mm -hmm. but it turns out he was actually the 11th, and then he regenerated into the 12th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway. the greedy bugger taking up all these slots yeah I don't want to go I'll sod off man you've, you've already stuck around too long yes. <laughs> so yes Jenny could be Jenny number two now couldn't she <laughs> yeah yeah um, but mind I wouldn't be surprised if she could regenerate because look at River she was not she's not related to the doctor but simply because she was conceived on the TARDIS in flight Mm -hmm. she seems to have a full regeneration cycle yeah that's true and one thing I was going to mention at the start does the um, these cloning pods that um, Jenny came out of does that um, is that reminiscent of the Lumen in any way oh you mean from Lung Barrow yeah well I'm not sure I mean as I say I haven't read that novel so I'm not I'm not entirely sure how the looms are fully explained in that story, but the idea, um, yeah, I, su uh, I suppose so. So, on to a quick conclusion, do you think? I think the whole story was a fun idea. Um, possibly, as I was saying earlier, the time format might have neg negatively affected it, especially with um, the creation of Jenny and if it get pre-title sequence. Um, I was a bit unsure about the sets, you know, just some of the places it just looks like it's on location somewhere, mm -hmm. um, like a corridor with fuse boxes and pipes and things being passed off as um, this other world colony. Um, and some of the minor characters weren't that compelling, but um, ooh, and the story kind of has an, an open end, which might not be which isn't concluded you know with jenny um but it was entertaining i give it a seven out of ten ah oh, right okay i think um my overall view of it is that this is um sort of you know your run of your male uh doctor who story but that isn't to take anything away from it because yes it, i totally agree it's a it's an immensely enjoyable story i think it's told well uh, i think it's structured really well um, it has that good balance of, of, of drama, of action, of emotional moments, um, some nice uh, light-hearted uh, humorous moments thrown in. Um, I really like the uh, the performances of the um, vast majority of the, the actors. I like the design of the half. I've always found it an immensely um, enjoyable and memorable episode, and I'd quite happily watch it again. So yeah, I actually give it the same score as you. I give it a 7 out of 10 as well. Yes. I dare not rate it too high because, um, of course, there's some great episodes in this series in particular, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think, um, yeah, I agree with that. And I think seven, seven out of ten is quite a respectable um, ranking or rating, if you like. Do you think that um, in the end, the scene with um, Jenny waking up and the hath and the human character there? Do you think 
that um, negatively impacts the ending as well? Um, I don't think the performance is the bad uh, is is the bad thing in in, in that scene. If, if it could be uh, put as strongly as, as that as, as being bad, um, the bit that strikes me is a bit a bit of weird editing. Is you have that scene, and then the next thing we suddenly cut to her. She's in a spaceship. It's totally incoherent, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it just seems scenes. to be. Uh, it just seems to be like if there's a massive cut. Um, and it feels a bit sort of jarring. Was you know as, as if they suddenly de- uh, at the last minute decided to tag that scene on at the end of the episode. Um, yeah. So that's a th- that's a th- that's a thing I'll probably um, that I think of in there. That it's a bit sort of like maybe just a slightly jarring edit. Yeah. Um, am I missing something? Or was that Hath a special Hath, like uh, a more prominent character? No, was it just a generic Hath? I, th- uh, I think I just j- just a generic one. Yeah. Maybe he could be General Cod. Yeah, it's General Cod, yeah. General, General Cod. Uh, so, yes, anyway, so apart from that, yeah, I think um, it's a story that we, we both enjoy. We've both given it a 7 out of 10, uh, which is really respectful. Um, I've always enjoyed it, and we'll, as I said before, we'll happily rewatch it. Uh, and we will see if um, Jenny uh, escaping death will be is totally worth it, or a complete waste of time, uh, in next week when we will be... Uh, returning to the legacy of time where we'll be looking at the fourth episode relative time